G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 17 Review, uh, another dramatic uh, weekend or four days of football, some incredible uh, drama, some amazing finishes, some significant upsets, um, some significant statements made and uh, the latter looking, uh, well, different in composition, at least up the pointy end. Of course, we are always brought to you proudly by Palmerbet Get Tackle Busting Benefits all this AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. As I say, very good evening to my co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you, Shorey? Well, I've had a good weekend. Thanks, Rowan. And, uh, well, um, that was a bit of everything, wasn't it? Which is great. You know, we saw that the clash of the one versus two down at Geelong and a very impressive Geelong side. Um, we got a a real mixture of whatever <laughs> at the gabber between Essendon and Brisbane. We couldn't quite uh, put our fingers on what that was. Um, Carlton, super impressive for me. Um, I'll elaborate on that why uh, in a little later. Uh but to go to the West Coast and play that way and finish that way was super impressive for me. Should say, too, at the other end of the eight, uh, we're looking at a Stephen Bradbury situation. It's just who's left standing might qualify for the finals. Like, does anyone actually want that eighth spot? Well, the Tigers have been uh, hit hard by injury and uh, conceded basically seven goals to the Go Coast, who are a hungry side looking for the eighth spot. Port refused to go away, and who knows what St Kilda and the Western Bulldogs are going to dish up from week to week. So I think um, uh, that that'll play out. And every every week now we've got certain games that are we've moved into must win categories. We've gone from eight point games, Rowan, yeah. that phase. Yeah. We're now in must win. Oh yeah, what I thought you were going to wheel out your twelve-point games. I'm still trying to work out what a <laughs> what a twelve-point game is. If anyone can, anyone knows. There's a few must wins coming up, Ryan. Yeah, no, I agree. We're certainly uh, in, into a fascinating. And the last one, season, yeah. I reckon I might turn the clock back and camp out at the MCG. You oh, know yeah. how they used to camp yeah. out for finals tickets. Yeah, I want to get a seat for Carlton versus Geelong. I do. I, 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 I want to go there and watch that game. That, okay. That'll be a ripper. All right. a, I'm already looking forward to that. Yeah, no, what, a, should, what a great game. It should be a ripper. Uh, we have got nine games to analyse to within an inch of their lives. Let's get cracking. On Footyology, wrap around. The first game of round 17 was at GMHBA Stadium Thursday evening and a top-of-the-table clash. Teams one and two on the ladder. The Cats taking on the Demons. have had some big clashes over the last couple of years. 
And this was another one. It was a tough game. It wasn't a spectacular game, but it was certainly tough. It was willing. Both sides definitely a chance until deep in the last quarter. But Geelong, uh, certainly dominant in terms of uh, most statistics and in field position. And finally, dominant on the scoreboard too. Well, when I say dominant, they win by a lot, but they won by enough. 18 points in the finish. The Cats, inaccuracy not helping them. 12 goals, 19-81, defeating the Demons, 9-9-63, solidifying their hold on top spot. The goal kickers for the victors, Rowan 2, Cam Guthrie, great game he played, uh, 2, Duncan 2, singles the rest. Just a one multiple goal kicker for Melbourne, and that was the brilliant Christian Petrarca with 3 Singles, the rest. Well, uh, it was a game probably general play suggested the Cats might have won a bit more easily than they did. Do you agree, Robert? Well, I did. 31 shots to 18, Rowan. I thought it was a, I, I thought it was an emphatic victory, Rowan. And uh, it's changed my – I'm continually changing about these blokes because mainly because of their history at finals and the, and the things that they've done this year. Remember, they, there was no Stuart. So De Kooning again stands up at full back. Um, I love the work, even though you did say Petrarca three, yep. Um, his goal kicking was good, thank goodness for Melbourne. But I just like the way Geelong have been experimenting with different situations. Blixarves and Atkins were on him. So it's not the old tag. They're, they're, they're using different players on, on different situations. Um Menangola was out there on Langdon, the important Langdon. It was a really good exhibition of homework. And you've got to remember that these blokes have had 31 scoring shots to 18 and Tom Hawkins has kicked one and Jeremy Can- Cameron uh, went and got donuts from the uh, from the Geelong store. Yeah, well, they, they spread things around. And as, oh, you, as you say too, they're, they're not uh, – we talk about them being conservative, but Chris Scott – I think, to his credit, isn't afraid to try things in terms of uh, not not just selection, but in terms of structure. Now, an interesting one, Selwood started every quarter on the bench. Yep. Um, but we're seeing more responsibility. You know where I'm going with this, handed to younger players. And uh, my boy, Maxie Holmes, I thought really rose to the occasion. <laughs> he played, I thought, his best game thus far. 17 disposals he ended up with, kicked a nice goal. But Rowan, he just he gave he's, him... he, I've heard you say that that's 17 best games I've heard you pump this young lad up with, but you are spot on. And if this is if if you were to explain, you've just explained the difference between post Geelong, they get a whole new um, uh, group of assistant coaches in, different roles, and you can't tell me they've had an impact on the positive thinking and the creative thinking of Chris Scott, who I believe was conservative. Mm. And, and that's not you're playing the top team uh, in Melbourne, the Premiers, and you go with Selwood on the bench. That's that's not stupid. That's brave. It's creating and it's giving Atkins and it's getting Selwood through the year. Dangerfield, the week before, I think, started at full forward. So he's playing half and half, even though his midfield game was just explosive and he really did cut Melbourne up with his pace. So he's fresh and ready to go. And, of course, Tom Atkins... Who would have said this last year? Nine clearances and 10 contested possessions. 
He's been a revelation in the centre. Yeah, some of those uh, Melbourne, uh, sorry, some of those long players who we've always seen as peripheral are really starting to have more of a contribution. Even uh, like a guy like Zach Guthrie, for example, um, Atkins is, is becoming an important player. Holmes lifted his rating. Close has been uh, important for them as a small forward. So uh, there's a greater evenness of contribution, I think. And as you say, they're able to uh, spare the workload on some of the senior players, which hopefully leaves them in better shape at the end of the year, which has been a bit of an issue. Just uh, singling out some some really good performances in this game. Uh, Dangerfield, of course, was terrific. Yeah. 30, 32 disposals, nine clearances, eight inside 50s. Atkins, 21 disposals, nine tackles, nine clearances. Duncan, 32 disposals. Uh, Cam Guthrie, 28 disposals, seven tackles, two goals. Now, in contrast, I just want to talk about the Demons because – they had some impressive numbers too, but it didn't amount to much. Viney, 35 disposals. Oliver, 34 disposals, 10 clearances. Max Gorn had 35 hit outs, six clearances. Petrarca, three goals. Ordinarily, if you saw Mel- those Melbourne players with that um, sort of impact on the game, you'd think, oh, well, surely Melbourne won this game. But all they've got out of it is 9-9, and their forward set up is looking like it's starting to struggle again. And Ben Brown, again, is a bit of a talisman for that. And he's like the little girl with the curl, and he has got curls. When he's good, they're very good. And when he's bad, they're pretty horrid. You've got to remember, Rowan, it was 66 inside 50s to 46. That's that's heading towards 70 against the much-vaunted Melbourne full-ground press and their defence. So... um. Melbourne, yeah, they got a lot of the ball. They got, but they didn't get it where it was important. They they went inside. Uh, I said forty six times. They got thumped in the clearances by nearly 20, 54 to thirty six, and uh, they got decimated in the centre clearances sixteen eight. They've got a bit of work to do, Melbourne, even though they're still right in the hunt. And uh, but don't forget. Um, this defence, uh, this forward line of, of Melbourne was also operating against a back line without um, Stewart and without Kolodashny, who, in my, well, obviously Stewart is, and I think Kolodashny is an important player. So they've managed to plug holes and and keep their system intact. Just a qu- quick question without notice. Uh, Bailey Fritch, it's been fantastic for them, obviously, but uh, he's starting to get a little bit... Um... A little Clever. bit hung- oh, well and hungry, I was gonna say. Yeah, well that's very unlike Melbourne if you've picked that up. Um maybe that's the pressure of, of being like no Tom McDonald, Brown's form's irregular, Wiedemann hasn't been able to consolidate, uh Jackson's been out, Gorn's lost his goal kicking power. Maybe um he might be feeling the pressure of being the most consistent and reliable goal kicker and feels he have to do it himself. That could be an out for him. I might be giving him an out. But you've obviously picked up uh, uh, that concern. So that's worth following, particularly if their form in the forward line doesn't get going. Well, yeah, it's interesting. And uh, we mentioned the other day, Tom McDonald, uh, there is a little ray of hope that he might return. Uh, that might end up being more important for them than we were thinking a few weeks ago because yeah. something needs to change up there. What was their premiership forward line? Tom McDonald, centre forward, Brown full forward, Luke Jackson in the pocket, and Fritz as the floater. 
Yeah. With Pickett and um, oh, Spark, uh, uh, Spargo. Spargo, Neil Bullen as as the floating crummers. So they're not they're not that far away from that, Rowan, are they? But anyway. No. no. Well, we've got uh they got some thinking to do, no doubt about that. And what do they got to think about next week? Next week they have to think about Port Adelaide, who they take on on Sunday afternoon. And that game is up in Alice Springs. So maybe a bit of a road trip. Bit of a uh, bonding exercise, and uh, <laughs> well, but that is a big game because uh, Port still in there pitching for a final spot, and a big game for the Cats too. They take on the Blues in what should be a cracker of a contest on Saturday evening, seven twenty-five PM Saturday evening at the MCG. All right, that was Thursday night. Let's move to Friday. Friday night football was at the SCG and it brought together Sydney and the Western Bulldogs. Uh, both teams needing to rebound after uh, disappointing performances and both uh, needing to win to maintain, well, a spot in the eight in Sydney's case or stay in with a, sh- a shot in the Bulldogs' case. And it was a convincing win to the Swans in a game really uh, almost put to rest in one dominant quarter of footy by Sydney. The final scores, Swans 17-18, 120. Big winners over the Bulldogs, 9-13-67. As I said, that win set up with a uh, pulsating first quarter. Could have even been a lot more damaging. Seven goals, eight the Swans kicked. I think that was their highest first quarter score for about four years. Uh, The Bulldogs 2-1 in the same period. The final goal kickers for Sydney, Heaney 4, Amati 2, Franklin 2, Papley 2 and Warner 2 for the Doggies, Norton 2, Waitman 2. They've got a really tough run ahead of them, the Doggies, uh, just about all over for them, Robert. I would consider that, that they um, it is all over and they certainly don't deserve to and I know you'll go through their um their draw at the end of this little summation, but uh, it's not great reading. For the, I think for the third time, or definitely the second time, um, John Longmore has made a, a late change, Rowan, that has been significant. Um, he brought in Ryan Clark for Braden Campbell. Ryan Clark went straight to Bailey Dale, who without Caleb Daniel was the most important rebounder and ball user off halfback. He held him to 12 kicks and four handballs. This is not the first time that uh, um, Ryan Clark has done this role. He was dropped when they brought back McInerney, but he got a reprieve. And this is a classic case of a, of a club finding a role. I think he's done Sinclair. He got uh, – and one other. Apologies. So – that's a really good tactical. Look, they decimated it, mate. They, they, um, despite the clearances being level, you had the situation at the other end of the ground where Lloyd and Blakey, they just ran as they were, and they had 50 positions between them. Can I just ask you too, uh, mm. from a Bulldogs perspective, I mean, their defence the last couple of weeks has been like a, a colander. I mean, that first quarter... Uh, in fact, the first 16 inside 50 Sydney registered in the game, they scored from 12 of them. They can't defend. They're, they're in the bottom three or four, Rowan, of defending opposition trans, transfer of the ball 
from the opposition's back line all the way down the ground. They are in the bottom four in the competition and it was highlighted again. I mentioned Lloyd and Blakey's dominance off half-back flank um, and, and and they just can't – they can't team defence Rowan. It's not particularly uh, Alex Keith, but they, they, they cop it in the neck every time because it's the way the ball comes through. Sydney just sliced them and a lot of clubs are doing that now. Um, only, it was nearly 60 inside 50s. I think it was 59 to 46. And despite the clearances being level, um, they were just superb. But, mate, 15, I, I repeat, folks, 15 scoring shots in the first quarter. Yeah, no. Seven, but... seven eight, as you said. Um, gee, make that 10-5 and see how you're going. Yeah. And it could have quite easily been that, mate. Yeah. Uh, it is the end of the story. This is the end of the story. They've gone from the grand finalists, and I can't see them uh, uh, um, making much of a much progress over the next month. Well, just on that, I mean, I might as well yeah. say it now. So they got yeah, okay. they got St Kilda next week. Line three, ball still because well, of the Saints' inconsistency. Yeah, the three yeah. weeks after that, they've got Melbourne, uh, they've got Geelong at Geelong, and they've got Fremantle at. Uh, Fremantle at Marvel Stadium. Okay. Still, uh, that month will probably just about sort them out. I've got to ask, like their, their midfield, I mean, going back to their premiership year, it was such an industrious, hardworking group. And that was the mm. the cornerstone of their success. They've got a bit, um, I don't mean, I mean this figuratively, not literally, but they've got a bit fat and lazy. They're, they're a little bit sort of high on their own. Um, you know, drinking their own bathwater a bit. Well, one, one play, well, I just want to put this out yeah. there. How's Marcus Bontempelli going? Um, he's going about a four and a half out of ten. Yeah. is going at about eight or nine on all cylinders, and, and he's playing that uh, that blue collar in and under that you want. Uh, Marcus Bontempelli is only just going. McRae's steady. Uh, they've got Hunter back onto the wing. Rowan, if you if you read out the names, Dunkley, he's been pretty industrious. If you read out the names there, there's six or seven names uh, making up a very very deep midfield. But as a group, their their defensive work, and you've highlighted Bond and Pelly, their defensive work's exceptionally poor, and this is why they're getting hammered and large scores kicked against them. When when they should be the free scoring, high scoring team. I think you know, I think you got to ask like who among their best players uh, is having a better season this season than last season? Liberatore. Yeah, uh, that's because he's been put back in. Uh, Norton's kept his head above the ground. English has been out. Um, Bailey Dale has steadied. Caleb Daniel's been out. Uh, I think McRae's gone another level. Not a level, but. He's better than he was last year. He's pretty good last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying yeah. he hasn't been good, but I, I'm not sure he's any better. Um, oh, okay. Ed, Ed Richards. I'll give you Ed Richards. Uh, definitely, he's definitely been good for them. Yep. Um, there you go. But you know, that's not going to. I don't think that's going to take you from runner-up to premier, is it? Ed Richards improvement. No. So, Mate, Sam know. Sam Reed was good in the ruck. Went, yep. yep. Like he was terrific up against English. Uh, went back in there and he's able to drift forward. What about and, my boy, Chad Warner? Oh, mate. Chad can, Warner, 11 inside 50s, 11. Can, can play. 
He can play. He nearly got him over the line against uh, Essendon, albeit courtesy. He kicked what three against Essendon, didn't he? Too. So he's he's got he's got goals again. He's a goal kicking mid. So he's gold, Rowan. He is gold. No, they were industrious. They worked hard. And can we just say it was a typical Sydney performance? But once again, on the back of um, some inconsistency, you know, a loss to Essendon, that was nearly inexcusable at the MCG. Just quickly, Joel Amati, now he's done very little in his league career thus far, but he just strikes me as one of those players who, you know, the penny will drop and he'll just go bang and could be a really, really good player. In in the way that, uh, like, say, an Anthony Kudafidis did. Wow, that's a big call. But I tell you what, I I was slightly surprised. I don't know this kid that well because I've been keeping a close eye on Logan McDonald, who I think is a, a fantastic player and the one that Swans took very, very, very early in the draft. But this kid's come in and played a terrific game, Rowan. Well, he's just marked the ball well. He's got great, uh, great athletic gifts as well. Yeah. All right, keep an eye on him. Just, just all right. Uh, Who have they got next week? The Swans next week. Oh, another big game. This is a ripper as well. Saturday evening in Perth. There's two massive Saturday night games next week. Sydney taking on Fremantle at Optus Stadium, seven thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, the Western Bulldogs. Well. Could be just about a do or die uh, clash this one, uh, virtual elimination final perhaps against St Kilda, Friday evening, 7.50pm, massive test for them. All right, let's move to Saturday. Well, not a lot expected of the first game on Saturday afternoon, but, uh, well, it was a surprise because it was a very entertaining and close and thrilling contest between Collingwood and North Melbourne with victory for the Pies in the end, but only after a titanic struggle by seven points. Collingwood 13-10-88, defeating North Melbourne 12-9-81. The goal kickers for the Pies, three to Cameron, two to Sidebottom, two to Ginevan. Two to Elliott and singles the rest. For North, Nick Larkey, five. He was a terrific target up forward. Two to Goldstein, two to Zeeble. Well, I uh, don't think anyone was expecting this. Uh, North Melbourne, they were so, uh, you hate to say it, but gallant. Uh, but they just ran out of juice in the end. 26 points up at three-quarter time, the ruse. But... Collingwood came home with a bang, five goals, five to just two behinds in the last quarter, a goal to steal side bottom with uh, three minutes left on the clock, giving Collingwood a seven-point lead, which they were able to hang on to. Uh, Look, North obviously be disappointed they couldn't hang on, but it was just so much a better effort than they've been turning in, Robert. I guess a lot of their supporters would be going, where's this been? Well, it's been, we've seen it twice, Ryan. I think we saw against Sydney. What are we, round 17 or are we round 18? So 17. we've seen it twice. Yeah. And, and and you're very quick to pounce on the on the margins that they've lost quite rightly. So I don't know how to read this. It was a very impressive, if you look at it in isolation, it was a very impressive performance with their pace, their ball movement and their capacity to pick put uh, pressure on Collingwood. Um and and I'm not being smart here, but uh, let's just once and for all say, if you've got one of the best, oh, it might be the best, but if you've got a really good fullback, 
you don't, you don't experiment. You leave him there, and I've said it consistently, if he's going to have success, if he survives, he's got to build a back line and he's got to build it around Ben Mackay and he's got to leave him there. So he did that. He took him back. He pushed Goldstein forward to put some marking pressure on because without more, um, with with Goldstein and Larky, it was going to really test you because while Murphy and Howe are very, very good players and great interceptors, I don't think they're key position players. They're not big enough. So they need more. And so I think David Noble has read the play very well. And he, he stacked his forward line. He had obviously Zerha down there. And they played a very direct game, which complemented that. I'll tell you one, um, well, not one. I, I guess I, when the siren went, I started thinking about, okay, what does North Melbourne take from this game? And uh, the main thing would be well, a sensational game by Luke Davies, Uniac. Now, I remember in the lead up to the draft, he was taken in the guy that was doing um, the draft for me was he just kept singing his praises and said, this guy's the best guy in the draft. And wow. you wouldn't have thought so for a while, but geez, he's starting to play consistently good footy and really damaging footy now. I mean, he ended up with, what was it? 33 disposals, 11 tackles, 12 clearances two goal assists. I mean, they're, they're fantastic numbers. 13 inside 50s. I think that, that what do they call it in basketball? Oh, triple-double. The, the triple-double-double, yeah. double, yeah. whatever that means. Yeah. I, yeah. Don't know, I don't know what the footy version of it is, but uh, <laughs> it, uh, fair to say he was pretty damaging. But that's not all I'd take out of it. You mentioned Mackay. He is a, a seriously uh, good defender. The other um, guy, and North people are on to him, don't worry, but the, the guy who I thought was really impressive and um, ominous looking was Tom Powell, uh, 22 disposals he ended up with. But he just, you know, he's some really smart midfield play um, when North were at their best. I thought he had a hand in a lot of good things they did. So he's another one to get excited about. You know, they're, yeah. they're not without they an upside. Horn Francis, no, nah, they're not without an upside. And they get uh, Will Phillips fit. They haven't had a look at him. They took him uh, very, uh, very early on in in front of uh, Logan McDonald, which is mm. still controversial. But the jury's still out. We haven't seen enough of Phillips. And 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 McDonald's got a, a – yeah, it is Logan McDonald isn't it, from Sydney. Yeah, yep. he's got a bit of a way to go. But to get Tom Powell, Horn Francis and uh, Phillips into that mixture, you know, I'm not sure how long Zeebel and Cunnington go for, but – I think you've summed them up at the moment. They are a watch. The coaches are a watch. The clubs are a watch. But they are not without upside. All right, let's talk about the pies because, uh, yep. you, you know, you, the, you got the result. Some You can't play your best every week, and they certainly didn't do that. That's seven wins in a row. Um, still some doubts about them, I think, uh, being able to mix it with the very best in the competition. And yet, uh, as I, I wrote during the week, you know, they only lost to Geelong by, I think, 13 points. They beat Melbourne. They beat Fremantle. They lost to Brisbane at the Gabba by a kick. They beat Carlton. So, I mean, the five teams above them on the ladder, they've beaten three and pushed the other two to within a couple of kicks. Why can't they mix it with those teams when it I matters? think they do, Rowan. I think what we've seen here, and I must – I'll pay – I've we paid North Melbourne respect, but having said that, you've summed it up, uh, seventh in a row. 
Mm. I don't think in this competition you can keep going at that level. No, no. And um, I didn't see this coming, but I'll be very interested to see who they're playing next week because um, it is coming. You, uh, you know, great sides like Melbourne, well, you know, I experienced it with Essendon. I'm not sure these up-and-coming sides, and Collingwood is still a developing side. They've done an amazing job, but, gee, seven in a row is a stretch, Rowan. Yeah. So um, can they make it eight in a row next week? You're about to tell me. I am about to tell you. They play Adelaide in Adelaide uh, on Saturday afternoon. That game is at 1.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and the Roos, uh, they have got a Saturday Twilight Clash against Richmond. That one on Saturday afternoon at 4.35pm. All right, that was the first game on Saturday and uh, boy, was the second one eventful. Let's talk about that. Well, this was a big game for both sides in terms of finals and uh, for most of it looked like a pretty comfortable result for the away side and yet the home side won in incredible circumstances. Gold Coast beating Richmond after the siren thanks to a goal by Noah Anderson. The final scores, Gold Coast 14-10-94 defeating Richmond 13-14-92. The goal kickers for the Suns, three to Charles, two to Ainsworth, two to Anderson, including the match winner, singles the rest. For the Tigers, three to Bolton, three to Rewalt, two to Cumberland. Well, Richmond led by 40 points at one stage in the third quarter. They still led by 28 points at three-quarter time. Uh, That was despite Tom Lynch having come off in the uh, opening minutes with a hamstring injury, uh, despite having Ivan Soldo with a broken thumb, Toby Nankervis also injured, and they had that many chances to finish this game off. It is not funny. In fact, you could not help but go back to that infamous uh, Richmond loss to Gold Coast in Cairns in 2012 when Carmichael Hunt (laughs) picked the winning goal. In fact, when they were still 11 points up, Robert, I said, this game needs Carmichael Hunt because it just had that feel about it. They could not close the deal. Jake Arts, Mr. Sitter. Castagna, Mr. Sitter. Morris Rioli Jr., Mr. Sitter. And then that incredible moment where Castagna ran into an open goal waited too long to kick it, then failed the handball and had his kick brilliantly smothered, it must be said, by Charlie Ballard. Then Jaden Short gave away a needless 50-metre penalty to Matt Rowe. Matt Rowe kicks a goal, brings it back to 11 points. Dylan Grimes leaps <laughs> all over a pack, leaving Mabby or Chole unattended at the back of it. He runs into an open goal, makes it four points the difference with a minute 13 left. Ball goes forward again. Dylan Grimes... Drops an absolute sitter in the lead up to the last goal. Uh, the ball is kicked across goal. Sam Day marks it in the pocket. He squares it up to Anderson, who is unattended. And from 40 metres out or 45 metres out after the bell, great kick for goal. Uh, I must say, not very well captured by whoever was directing that telecast. They took the wrong shot when Day passed it off. They took the wrong shot when Anderson kicked a goal. I don't know what's going on to direction and TV broadcasting, but there you go. Uh, amazing finish and uh, chaotic scenes. If you haven't seen this, 
Uh, do yourself a favour and at least get on the AFL website and watch Last Two Minutes, which is a little segment they have in Thrillers. Uh, an amazing finish. But Richmond, they it is one of the most spectacular, uh, I won't say chokes, because it's not like they choked through nerves, but they blew it. They absolutely blew it. And who knows, might be a loss which ends up costing them finals. As for Gold Coast, <clears throat> they're still in the hunt. As a result, after two heartbreaking narrow losses, they got over the line, third time lucky, Rob. Amazing finish. Well, you're right, and they're in the Car- Carmichael hunt. They're right in it. As you said, then uh, history is repeated again. I counted, while you were talking then, I counted, uh, and no, it's not a choke, it's wasteful and um, indecisive. I counted eight separate incidents where if any one of them had turned the other way, Richmond win. Yeah. It's quite extraordinary, that yeah. list you've reeled off. Like, this was a, such an exciting game because of the dominance of one side and the comeback of the other. And it was highlighted by outstanding individual performances. Miller again. Ainsworth was good. Bolton was extraordinary for Richmond. Like, Richmond looked an cl- absolute class about them with their ball movement and their pace um, led by Bolton. It looked a matter of how far and 40 points like it equates to the opposition having to outscore them by seven goals. I think you've highlighted the fact that maybe the Tigers were responsible for five or six of them themselves. So, uh, well, no doubt. I mean, well, the row goal as a result of short giving away the 50 yeah. meter penalty. Um, the Castagna running into the open goal. Oh, the, the smother by Charlie Ballard yeah, was brilliant. that might have gone end to end for a, a goal the other way. You know, it's just uh, it, it real lack of composure, which is pretty amazing for a side that's won three premierships in the last um, five well, years. And, you, yeah, but it's just that core of players out, the steadiers, yeah. you know, that they just need them... Um, Back in the side. Um, the other blokes don't go away, Rowan. Mm. They have this, this insatiable belief in their capacity to play four quarters. It wasn't pretty. It was downright ugly at times. They looked totally outclassed. But what they do, and unfortunately this time it was courtesy of some of the errors of the opposition, but you've got to keep your head up. You've mm. got to keep persevering. And through the likes of Miller and Rao and Anderson and Ainsworth and these blokes, they just kept having a go. Uh, like Jack Rewalt was always a constant threat up there. And, mate, if you're a betting man, you would have made a fortune this year on Mabiel Chol by saying he will kick three goals a game. I reckon he does it as often as Tyson Stengel down at Geelong. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. a regular three a game. Good yeah. on him too. Yeah, no, they're, I mean, clearly the, the biggest thing that the Suns have got out of this year, if they don't, even if they don't make finals, is this spirit they've got. They are, and I heard Noah Anderson talking about it after the game too. And he's a, he's an impressive young bloke. He's very articulate and, and, uh, had a couple of funny little thoughts as about what he was thinking about as he was lining up for goal. He said, <laughs> I remembered I, 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 missed a chance in the under 13 semi-final in a similar position. And then he <laughs> thought about how he'd grown up barracking for Richmond. Um, and that was all going through his head as he was lining up to kick the winning goal. But um, he mentioned the uh, how they've sort of prided themselves this season on their resilience. And 
Uh, it, it's held them in such good stead. And really, I mean, they might miss out in the finals, but the, the you know, they've lost the two games preceding this by a kick, one to Collingwood, one to Port Adelaide. If they'd won all three, uh, they'd now be ensconced in the eight and definitely looking at their first participation in a final series. So, you know, it's been a great season for them and, uh, you know, suitable, uh, I guess, answer to the reappointment during the week of Stuart mm. Jew as coach as well. So, Well, we spoke about that at length and what a good decision it was based on, on the evidence that um, that was presented. But now the Tigers are facing oh, – yeah, keep going. Sorry, mate. Well, yeah. no, no. I wanted to talk about the Tigers because they've got oh. – They've got major injury concerns now. Lynch will miss at yeah. least a couple with that hamstring. Lang Curtis. Um, uh, I think I think several. Um yeah. Cochin, I don't think will come back uh, next week. Uh Lambert. Uh, Lambert. Week to week proposition. Uh you think Dusty probably comes back, but Wow. Uh yeah, the the manpower thing. Um and it didn't Bolter. Seem, Where's yeah, he? No, it'd still be another week off, I think, with the oh, hands. Oh, mate, one, two, three, four, five, probably six or seven out, mate. Yeah. And who they got? Well, that's, I'm just having uh, about to have a look at their run home. Uh, I don't think their run home's too bad. No, they've got a good one. They've got a real – oh, they've got um, North, haven't they? They've got North Melbourne next week. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's not that great. They've then got Fremantle. They've got Brisbane. They've got Port Adelaide and Ooh. Hawthorne and – Essendon to finish off. Um, while we're at it, uh, so Richmond got north next week. Uh, let's talk about Gold Coast. They They've got an intriguing got, game. They have against Essendon. I know for all, for all the for all the wrong reasons, and I mean that with the greatest respect. This could go anywhere, couldn't it, Ryan? Well, this, yeah, it could. It's a really intriguing game. Well, I mean, who knows? Maybe Kyle Reimers will bob up and kick eight goals. Correct. And I'll just tell you the Suns run home after the Essendon game. They've got yeah. uh, the Q clash against Brisbane. They've got West Coast, Hawthorne, Geelong, and North Melbourne. Uh, so not right. as tough a run a home. Very. They, got a, they, got a, they could get four out of seven. Um, next week's a key game because yeah. Essendon could do anything. Well, good test for them. All right, that was Saturday Twilight, uh, two Saturday night games. Big Saturday night clash at Marvel Stadium saw St Kilda take on Fremantle and it was a convincing win to the Dockers by 41 points. They kicked well too. The final scores, 17-9-111, defeating St Kilda 10 10, 70. I know we go on about conversion a lot, but Fremantle's a side which has been haunted by bad conversion. So very important for them to get it right. And they did. The goal kickers, uh, plenty of multiples for them. Three to Frederick, three to Fife, two to Banfield, two to Brody, two to Darcy, two to Lobb, two to Schultz, and a single to Brayshaw. For the Saints, two to Butler, two to King, two to Membry, Singles, the rest. Well, Rob, St Kilda led this game at half time, and uh, well, they were dominant in several areas. Nonetheless, the centre bounces where uh, they had a 10 2 advantage at half time. They were 15 up in contested ball at half time. Uh, but Freo 
got the last goal of a last half to Rory Lobb, just an important little steadier that put them within, I think it was eight points going into the long break. They promptly exploded out of the blocks in the third term, kicked the first six goals of that third quarter to lead by 30 points at the final change. And uh, then a picnic was had in the last quarter when they added another four goals to just one from the Saints. This is a really impressive win by them. And uh, alternately, in the second half at least, a very disappointing performance by the Saints, Robert. Stats are like a lamppost or drunk, Rowan. Meaning? you just got to lean on them sometime. And <laughs> they hold you up when they've really got no relevance because if you're going to have that sort of dominance, you've got to put it on the scoreboard. And that goal from Lobb was absolutely significant. It made it eight points. After then, it was one superior side above the other. I'm very critical of St Kilda. They uh, had a great week, the announcement of um, of uh, uh, a Ratton. And a 41-point margin at your home ground is significant when you're playing for the finals. Uh, I think it answers a lot of questions about Fremantle. They were dominant. And while um, I'm looking at the highlights and the points that you've made, I want to conter about your spread of goals. One, two, three, four, five, seven players with a spread of goals. Mm. That that shows teamwork, teamwork. ball movement, uh, consistency, and a real connection between back, mids, and forwards. Uh, you can't say that about the St Kilda side. And you're right, though, they did dominate the centre clearance, but you've got to put it on the scoreboard, and then we saw the match-winning move. Ten weeks ago, you and I sat here and we tried to work out and uh, how they would use Nate Fife. Would it push Brody out? Would it push Sarong out? Would have pushed Brayshaw out of the centre square. No, they've just said, you you hang out at half forward and we'll let you know when we need you. And that was the classic case of he, I think he had four possessions in the first half and um, went on the ball. And um, imagine that. Imagine well, being eight points down, you're not playing that well, and you got five with four possessions, fresh as a daisy. Ended up with 21. He actually, yeah, yeah five he had at half time. So he's had 16 yeah. in the second half and three goals. Uh, and it's that it added to Andrew Brayshaw, who was terrific again, 36 disposals. Brody, 29 disposals, six clearances. Wow. Caleb Sarong, 25, four clearances. The other big factor, uh, certainly the last couple of weeks, he's been terrific two weeks in a row now, Jordan Clark. Off half back, he's uh, or wing half back, really. It's sort of almost like they've changed his role slightly. He's playing a more, uh, he's sort of getting forward of the ball a bit more now, I think, and, and working up from the wing. Well, the Cats were filthy. They lost him and they fought very hard, and it did get a bit murky there at times, but the relationship between the two clubs. But now you can see the value that he brings. I think you've summed him up bit of wing, bit of half back run. A very, very important role in the modern day. For, and he's starting to come good, really good. I think he's been okay. Um, but but you, you combine him with the likes of um, one of the competition's most improved players, wore the long sleeves on the weekend in James H at his third club. It just seems a place, it's not like the old saying, you know, where elephants go to die, like the elephant graveyard. This is where people go to flourish, Rowan. Mm. It's a very good place to go and play football. Right, and you know what it reminds me of? Isolated, um, 
port city, uh, strong culture, football people. Great cafes. Great cafes. And you know where else that is, Ron? Melbourne. Tas- Tasmania. <laughs> I, I agree. No, I love Tasmania. Tasmania. You, know, you don't have to sell me on Tasmania. I love, <laughs> I love the place. Um, hey, mate, Hayden Young's not a bad player. Pick number 17 um, in the 2019 draft and the Dandenong Stingrays. He's another one. He's had injuries. Um, he's starting to come become a, a very, very nice player for them. I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm always more convinced by Fremantle when they score. You know, like when, when Fremantle grind out a win, uh, some people will say, oh, you know, it's a tough win and that's, that's you know, the sort of footy they need to, to be playing. I'm always more impressed when uh, they open up and, and post a score because I, I think the game... I don't know if it's a hangover from the Ross Lyon era or something, but I, I just I was about to say that. that well, the, that's yeah. Well, the, yeah. Go on. You're about to say what? No, I agree. That yeah. that's probably a negative in your mind about you've got this perception of Fremantle under Ross. Well, it's not just that. It, it's yeah. yeah I, I do, but it's also that the game has clearly gone past that. You have to be able to score now. So yeah, defensive football is important, but I don't think this grand final is going to be one in a you know, eight goals to seven slog. I think it's going to be one, you know, 15 goals to 13 sort of thing. So, okay. um, and and the conversion, you know, and it's, you, you can't really analyse bad kicking too much, but it wins and loses. So it, it loses so many games to so many sides that that scoreline of 17-9 is really significant. So on a number of levels, they seem to, um, I don't know. I, I had my doubts about them at Marvel Stadium, but they've they've um, their win over Essendon there was pretty impressive, and and this one's pretty impressive too. So there's a few more strings to their bow now. Now St Kilda, um, alternately, uh, gee, the gap between their best and worst is like the Grand Canyon, isn't it? Now yeah. they had some tries. Zach Jones tried pretty hard. Brett Krause tried pretty hard. Jack Steele. Brad Hill had 28, though, but for me, Brad Hill was way too much of a barometer for that side, you know, unless he's all guns blazing. And he was pretty good, but even that wasn't good enough for them. And Sinclair, they, they are yeah. incredible barometers for that side. Yeah. Uh, Jack Steele's come back from significant injury, so he's still moving into um, form and confidence. But uh, Lob and Darcy did a terrific job on Ryder and Marshall. And you've got to remember that uh, Fremantle were without they're very good fullback in Alex Pierce, so they yeah, still well, managed I, to do a, to, a terrific job. And I was going to say the uh, that didn't hurt them. Part of the reason that didn't hurt them is because uh, Max King, but uh, he's he's struggling a bit, isn't he? Yep, no doubt about that. He needs a really confident game. His body language, not his body. He's a quiet kid, but um, he's got to be a little bit more demonstrable and you know demand the football. Uh, outgoing, I don't think uh, – I think that's a personality, not a mood thing. Yeah, well, they're ninth on the ladder of the Saints. They're still only out of the eight on percentage. Uh, you won't see them back again, Rowan. Wait no, 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 they've got a really, really tough run home, which I'm yeah. about to tell you. They've got the Bulldogs next week. They've then got uh, West Coast in Perth. They've got Hawthorne. They've got Geelong at Geelong. They've got Brisbane and they've got Sydney. So – uh, wouldn't be expect. I think you're right. Wouldn't be expecting to see them in the eight again. And uh, as for their opposition, Fremantle, like I said, big 
Saturday night clash next week at home against Sydney, 7.30 p.m. Ooh. Eastern Standard Time. All right, uh, like next Saturday. Uh, this Saturday, there were two evening games too. Let's talk about the other one. Port Adelaide, they keep clinging on to their finals hopes and uh, they live again after another victory on Saturday night, a comprehensive victory too over GWS by 55 points, smashing the final scores, Port 12-12-84, defeating GWS a miserable three goals, 11 29. The goal kickers support Connor Rosie. Big game from him. He kicked four, two to Marshall, two to Farrell, and singles the rest. And for the Giants, well, pretty quick to wrap them up. Two to Hogan and one to Toby Green. That's Green with an E. Uh, well, like I said, Port, they just keep hanging on. They're within one game of the eight now. Uh, they've got a really tough run home, but uh, as long as they keep winning, they remain a chance. Rosie, fantastic. Four goals from 24 touches. Uh, Zach Butters, uh, very impressive. 26 disposal game from him as well. Uh, they dominated everything in this game. The power, they uh, won the disposal count by just on 100. Inside 50, 65 cool. to 37. Uh, 19 tackles inside 50, so their forward pressure was good. Uh, some other notable individuals, Sam Powell Pepper having a great season, 25 disposals. Travis Boke also prominent with 24 disposals. Uh, and Jeremy Finlayson, meant to mention him, uh, doing the makeshift ruck roll again, 22 disposals in that around the ground roll, uh, 12 contested and nine inside 50s, along with 13 hitouts and five clearances, uh, probably the less said about the Giants, the better, and some worrying um, injury news too with uh, veteran Phil Davis it's ping the hammy again and might very well be the last time we see his presence on an AFL field, Robert. Yeah, sadly, it will probably be, if it's a big one, it's a six to eight weeker, so the great warrior, the leader, the captain, been a great player for them, coming across from Adelaide uh, sadly, with GWS nowhere near the finals, we may well have seen the last. But this, uh, welcome to my great mate, and I uh, welcome to the world of coaching, Mark McVeigh. This is their first non-competitive game, and when I mean non-competitive, three eleven in the game of football, I don't even know whether you could use the word competitive. All their key players were down. Uh, Port minimised Toby Green's output to just eight kicks and four handballs with the isolated goal. So their ability of Burton and uh, these players across half-back to do that job was was spectacular. Um, uh, and you've summed it up. Once again, Porter hanging in on the, the, on the backs of these youngsters. Rosie Butters was very good. I don't know whether you mentioned him, Rowan. And, of course, uh, Powell Pepper. Got that right? Yes. Right, Powell Pepper. Um, so some really good signs. Uh, what I've noticed is about Port... They've um, they've got the stability of their back line back together. Jonas, Cleary, Alira, Lear, uh, Darcy Burden, Jones, Burton, and uh, one other. It doesn't matter that I can't. But that's a really good theme for me for Port Adelaide, and it's given some stability. I, I like their spirit. It's a it's the start of a year from hell. Zero five, and they're still paying for that. 
but I don't think they're going to go away in a hurry. Uh, and they did a terrific job. I was quite um, up for GWS, given their midfield, uh, given the improvement that we've had seen. I, I thought Hogan had been good for them. He's kicked another two goals, so he's still presenting for them. But this was a major disappointment, Ron. Uh, all I can think of here is um, w- what are you threatening to say other than Sam Powell Pepper, Peter Piper? No, Sam Pepper Powell. Oh, you yeah, Pepper Powell, yeah. Okay. Early days you've <laughs> called me up on that one. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I do get the hyphens mucked up within Zaman Hall Huck and, and uh, Jamari Eugle Hagen. Hagen, yeah. yeah. I, 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 one opened the batting for Pakistan and the other plays out of the Ford 50 for the Western Bulldogs. I shouldn't really get them un- uh, I really shouldn't get them mixed up. Yeah, apart from um, that, they're but very We'll put similar. a line through this game, Ron, because uh, I don't know whether GWS deserved the, uh, the, in, in, the incitive um, uh, research that we put into this. I really don't. That, that was disappointing, wasn't it, on a, on a serious note? Uh, yeah, they're very disappointing. They they have been prone for a few years now to put in the odd shocker like that. Just on Port, uh, talking about uh, are they going to make it? No, they're not. Here's why. <laughs> well, they've got four games against top eight sides. Let me have a listen. Let me have a listen. Well, this isn't in a row, but they've got Melbourne, Geelong, Collingwood and Richmond. Uh, in fact, I can... Can they win two of them at home, Ryan? Uh, oh, look, Collingwood and Richmond. Um, yeah, maybe one off. So here's how they're it, it goes in sequence they've got Melbourne in Alice Springs, they've got Geelong at home, they've got uh, Collingwood, the MCG, they've got Richmond at home, they've mm. got Essendon at Marvel, and they've got the showdown at home. Oh, they're just, not out of that, Ron. They're well, not out of it. Okay, maybe they could do a. Maybe it's going to be a Stephen Bradbury uh, finish for eighth um, this season. Mate, uh, they did get a bit of luck. And while they decimated GWS, um, they got their luck and you're going to need that with Richmond, St Kilda and the Western Bulldogs losing, just kept them, you know, edging closer to the periphery of the eight. So um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this much. They're in 12th spot. There is a massive gap in both uh, points and class or performance at least between 12th and the rest of a ladder because GWS are in fact in 13th spot, wow. but I, three, I you, yeah. three wins behind Port Adelaide. So they are five and 11, uh, Port Adelaide are eight and eight. So we can say there's a pretty even top 12. Is that what we wanted, Ron? We want we uh-uh. want that. And then the others are just... Um, literally making up the numbers and making up the rest of the season. Three games and percentage gap to the next team. That's significant. Pretty anyway. much. Uh, so Port Adelaide next week got that game against Melbourne in Alice Springs. And the Giants, they have got a clash in Canberra against Brisbane, 1.45 p.m. Saturday afternoon. All right, that was Saturday done and dusted. Uh, three games on the Sunday to talk about. First game on Sunday was up at the Gabba. Beautiful weather up in Brisbane on Sunday afternoon for the Lions clash with Essendon. Essendon suddenly having discovered the capacity to win. They'd won two of their previous three games leading into this. Uh, Brisbane mixed results of late. Good win at home last week, but need to keep winning. However, disaster struck during the week 
thanks to Mr. COVID, uh, already had some injury issues leading to mass changes and uh, no discussion of this game, I'm sorry, can be uh, complete without talking about these changes. So the following players who were part of last week's Brisbane lineup weren't part of this week's. Daniel Rich and Dane Zorko, both injured. Jackson Pryor, injured. And the following players, all victims of health and safety protocols, Calamar Chi, Daniel McStay, Harris Andrews, oh, sorry, Jared Berry, also injured, Caden uh, Coleman and Noah Answorth. So that list again, Archie, McStay, Rich, Zorko, Andrews, Berry, Pryor, Coleman and Answorth, all missing. So fair to say this literally was half their strongest side. Uh, they, in the circumstances, well, they didn't play well, let's be honest, but still managed to hang in and were uh, a serious chance to win this game until literally the last 30 seconds. And that was when Matt Guelphie won a perhaps questionable free kick close to Essendon goal. Uh, in fact, the siren went as he was lining up to kick and uh, he did kick the goal 10 points. The margin in the end, the final scores, Essendon 15-10-100, defeating Brisbane 13-12-90. The goal kickers, five goals to Peter Wright, putting together a pretty decent season. That's 40 goals now, I think, for the season. Four to Kyle Langford. Uh, he has been a valuable uh, re-inclusion in that side. Singles the rest for the Bombers and for Brisbane. Three to McCarthy. Two to McInerney, two to Robinson, singles the rest. Well, uh, real low-intensity, low-pressure game. This one, Rob, they were waltzing from end to end. Um, and uh, let's be honest, I would have thought a decent side would have absolutely put Brisbane to the sword today. But Essendon managed to make very hard work of it. How did you see it? Mate, I was confused. I was re really was. Um, good on Essendon. They've now beaten St Kilda, Sydney and and uh, the Brisbane Lions, which if you look at it in isolation are three teams in the top eight and I can't remember the last time they did that. So that's a big tick to them. You've summed this game up and I couldn't work out why. Both teams waltzing from one end to the other. And I'm putting this on Brisbane. I'm putting it on Chris Fagan. Where was the contested ball? Where was the physical strength? required to beat, like they've nearly written out the playbook for Essendon and that's nothing against Essendon. Essendon dominated out of the centre bounce in six, six goals. Peter Wright had a fantastic game up forward. But where was the physical, the contested possession? They must have known they were down on soldiers, right? And they must have known that Essendon's a pretty dangerous opposition at the moment but to serve up that uncontested, Essendon, 70% 70, 70 of Essendon's possessions were uncontested. 237 uncontested possessions <laughs> to 381. I think, no, that's 65%. It's an incredible um, imbalance of what Chris Fagan was wanted. And even though, yeah, they were always within 17 to 11 points. Points, weren't you? And you had this thought, well, 
and it nearly came to fruition. McCluggage missed one from 20. Uh, the big fella missed one from the goal square, went up the other end, and good old Matt Guelphie, who had a terrific physical game, um, sealed the game. It That was a strange game, Ryan, very strange. It was a strange game, and uh, I would have thought superficially, given the sort of season they'd had, um, you know, with my supporters hat on, if I'd seen Essendon beat Brisbane at the Gabba, I'd be pretty happy about it. But I'm not. Could be <laughs> could because I got COVID. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's I, – I don't don't feel like Essendon played well. And you know the thing that really disappointed me, apart from the loose – marking and, and poor defence, which I've sort of got used to. But their inability to hit targets. How many times did even handballs not hit the target? What is it with the skill level among some AFL players yeah. those days? Seriously. Well, their skill level is still disappointing, but um, they did some really good planning. Kelly got a reprieve and came in and did uh, Cameron. Uh, Corwell was terrific and probably best on the ground at Neil. And yeah. I think Neil's got 14 Brownlow votes in the last five or six games that he's played. Yeah. So that was a really good effort. Not only did he good a good um, corralling effort, he also got the ball himself and, and, and kicked a beautiful goal that really settled the issue for Essendon. Laverde's job on Danaher was first class, and Joe Danaher had a very disappointing game. He was outmuscled, he was pushed aside, and uh, at the other end, Adams couldn't hold right with no Andrews. It, it, there's a theme running through the AFL of forwards working in combinations and also backline. We saw what happened with, um, with Collingwood without Moore. I'm saying, look what happened to Adams without Andrews and, of course, Lever without May. There's these really good partnerships in the AFL at the moment, but if you take one of them out, Gia can expose the other player. I'm not saying Adams is a bad player, but he was exposed one-on-one -on -one with Wright and he didn't have Andrews' expertise to um, cut across and help him out. Quick word on uh, Kyle Langford because oh, he's become a, a seriously good footballer, and I'm I'm glad. I, I'd like to say I've been pumping his tyres up for a fair while now, and uh, there were moments. Uh, ask your predecessor on this podcast about that, and there's been moments where you thought, "Geez, is he ever going to you know sort of string it together week to week, or and then stay injury free?" And this year, of course, it's been injuries, but the value today, apart from the four goals and and, you know, that strong physical presence is compared to so many of his teammates, he's just got a decent footy brain, you know, and he High and, IQ. And, and, a, and a calmness about him. There's so many Essendon players seem to panic and he just settles them down and uh, he settled them down at critical stages today. So poorly uh, managed in his younger days, in, out, yeah, no role. What are you? Don't yeah. know. Okay, we'll put you back the seconds, bring you up. Um, I thought he was all – I'm like you, and I'm not saying – now if you want to go through my Twitter feed from three, five, seven years ago, I was a huge rap for this player. Um, like six foot three in the old scale, 90 kilos. Surely you've got to persevere and develop. And he's not a real confident – his early days were not full with confidence. So if you take the opportunity away from him – and now, mate, he's a very good footballer, Ryan. He, yeah. he he was nearly best on the ground because when the game had to be set up, it was Cole Langford that set that game up. We need to talk quickly about Brisbane because they are hanging on to the double chance now by a very slender thread. They are fourth on percentage only from both Carlton 
and Collingwood. Uh, their record now over the last uh, six weeks, I think, is 50-50. Wow. Uh, um, they are struggling. And I don't think they're uh, – look, I mean, what do you make it today? They're missing half their, their first side. And, and uh, look, had even half those players been in, uh, given that they've only lost this by 10 points, you'd say they'd probably win. But the bottom line here is they've gone, uh, yeah, for eight weeks now, they've gone win-loss, 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 win-loss. So they're 4-4 over the past eight games. Uh, their remaining games, they've got GWS. Then they've got the Suns at the Gabba, Q Clash. They've got uh, Richmond at the MCG. They've got Carlton at the Gabba. They've got St Kilda at Marvel. And they've got Melbourne to finish off at the Gabba. So mm. tough run home. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the flag, but I'll tell you what, if they don't finish top four, they absolutely won't be winning the flag. Where, where do you say? No, I, I look, it's extraordinary circumstances that presented with them. And if we'd known later on in the week, in order, I rate him, look, put Neil aside for a while, away for a minute, right? Looking at put him away. In order, Rich, Zorko, Berry and Andrews are the four players that I would want out of that side. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, look, it was tough. I mean, it's hard to hard to yep. definitively rule a line through them for this year, but uh, I am. Um, all right. Uh, so, like I said, uh, they have GWS next week in Canberra. Essendon have Gold Coast at Marvel Stadium Sunday afternoon. Uh, all right, uh, speaking of Marvel Stadium Sunday afternoon, that's where our next game takes us to. Marvel Stadium, 3.20pm was the venue and the time and the teams were Hawthorne and Adelaide. The result, Hawthorne, finally, they haven't had too many wins of late, but they got another one up here, 32 points beating Adelaide by 13 goals, 8, 86 to the Crows, 8, 6, 54. The goals, 5 to Mitch Lewis. And he got them all early, and that's when the damage was done. Bruce, 2, singles the rest for the Crows. 2 to Phil Thorpe, 2 to Fogarty, and singles the rest. Really, Robert, this game won in the first quarter. At quarter time, the scores, Hawthorne, 6-3 to Adelaide 1-2, and from that moment on, it was seven goals apiece. It was non-competitive by Adelaide. Um, 11 of their 14 inside 50s, 11 kicks of their 14 inside 50s found their target. So they dominated the midfield with not enough pressure being applied by Adelaide, who were really disappointing. And another trend, another great start to a game, uh, opposition uh, dig deep, come out after half time, make a little bit of a move. Hawthorne steady, go away with it. The move I liked was, um, and you spoke about Mitch Lewis. The move I liked was, uh, and they've done it before. It's not a revelation. Sadly, Jack Gunston wasn't playing, but they got McAvoy back and they put him deep, right, and went with Ned Reeves in the ruck. And, and I just thought that really stretched him, and they went in deep. They kept going in deep and they gave Mitch Lewis a really good look uh, at the ball coming in without much pressure. After half time, the interview with um, Nix was very interesting. He said, we've just got to get back into the contest. We're non-competitive. He's very blunt, very honest. And um, 
Uh, after that, I think they got it back back in. Yeah, they fought back to get it within 20 points at one stage, but uh, Hawthorne far superior. Well, there, there was a pivotal moment there where, like, Adelaide, I thought, was still half a chance. It was 20 yeah. points, and uh, they had, uh, who was it, uh, McHenry took a mark. Sicily gave away his obligatory stupid free kick or 50 down the ground, and McHenry had a chance to bring it back to 14 points, but Taylor Walker's called for it. Um, he's given off the handball to Walker, who was under a fair bit of heat, and his kick fell short. Uh, Hawthorne rebounded, and they, I think they ended up kicking the next three goals, and that any chance they had disappeared at that moment. He had a cranky sort of day, Tex Walker, didn't he? He kept berating teammates and... Calling, he was in a bad mood, wasn't he? He was uh, in a bad mood. Calling for leads that weren't necessarily on, and <laughs> he's like that. He's he's another little girl with the curl, you know? Really like the continuing, well, we can call it development. He's very much a rookie because he's still in uh, line for the Rising Star Award, but uh, Jai Newcomb continues to impress as a, a, a hard, tough, in and under sentiment. And I tell you what, we, we've spoken about... Um, Okay, we've tried to be positive with Hawthorne, but their record over the last seven, eight weeks hasn't been great. They've been a bit all over the place with their back line. It was very interesting to me that uh, CJ, Jath and Scrimshaw occupying half-back flanks were very, very pivotal to the ball movement. That allows uh, Hardwick and these players to lock down more mm. and allows those two... Um, who played a lot of school footy against each other years ago, so they know each other well. They like playing together, and that showed. One's the real dasher, Jeth's a real dasher, while Scrimshaw is a very good left-foot distributor. I think it made a real difference to their side. Just on Newcomb, everyone talks about what a hard nut he is, and he is, and he's a, a great tackler, but I reckon he's a, a pretty silky user of the footy too, isn't he? I, I, I... Am I missing something there, or is it no? Just clubs when... keep finding these players. I don't know where they've been. No, my point is that when whenever we sort of talk about a guy as being a tough nut, it's sort of like we do his skill. We assume his skills aren't necessarily that great. I think Newcomb's skills are pretty. Uh, he's a he's a seriously good player, isn't he? He's gonna. Um, he may not win the Rising Star, but I think he'll he'll go second or third. One. He's had a fantastic season. Yeah, I'd go. Oh, I think Dacos. Um you know, unfairly being marked at the moment. Oh, you're getting it for your name. He's had an outstanding year. I've got De Koning coming second because mm. he's playing full back. Yeah. And I've got Newcomb third. And even though he's dropped off, I think, the last month or so, <laughs> Rowan, I had Martin fourth. Yeah. So that's That was my top four at one stage. With, just with, uh, yeah. yeah, go on. Go on. No, I'll finish. All right. I just want to make one point, and it pertains to something you talked about a few weeks ago. You were critical of Adelaide and the way they use the footy, and it yep. really struck me today. Geez, they go sideways a lot. They were, they had plenty of the ball, but it was just going nowhere. And 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 when when they find themselves, it's ironic, isn't it? When these teams find themselves four or five goals down at half time, they all release the shackles, and we've got to attack. We've got to go forward. And as you said, it actually gave them gave them half a chance to get back within three or so goals. Uh, I picked them to win this game because I thought they'd been reasonably consistent and well organised. 
and well-structured, but uh, they were blown out of the water with pace and running and their own downfall was not to be able to apply any sort of pressure to Hawthorne's ball movement going inside 50. Six goals to three to one, two, game over, despite the uh, despite the obvious uh, semblance of a comeback. I picked them to win this game because I let you talk me into it. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, well. I, I won't do it again. No, don't. I'm are they going to win next week, these two sides? I don't know. I don't care now. I'm too you pissed tell off. Tell me, are they? I'm too pissed off. Um, <laughs> okay, next week we have got Hawthorne uh, up against West Coast and that game is at the MCG at 1.10 on Sunday afternoon. And Adelaide, they have got a tough one. They're up against the Pies who have won seven games in a row, of course. That one at Adelaide Oval, 1.45 p.m. Saturday afternoon, one game left to talk about in round 17. Let's do that now. And the weekend's action finished off in Perth, as it so often does, with a uh, twilight game over there, I guess, is it? For, no, I don't know, probably afternoon game. Anyway. Uh, it was a very handsome win to Carlton by 63 points in the end. 17-14-116, the Blues to West Coast. 8-5-53, incredibly perhaps, 17 points the difference at three-quarter time. But, yep, uh, a shellacking in the final quarter. The Blues slammed on seven goals, four and held the Eagles at the same time scoreless. The goal kickers, the Twin Towers, 10 between them. How often has that happened this year? Kerno 5 and Mackay 5 for the Blues. 2 to Fisher, 2 to Durden, singles the rest. And for the Eagles, 2 to Kennedy, 2 to Waterman, uh, singles the rest. Well, set up early, Rob, uh, the Blues 5-4 to no score in the first quarter. Uh, the Eagles, to their credit, they had a big second term themselves when they slammed on 7-3 uh, to peg Carlton right back to just a 10-point advantage at the long break. A uh, bit of a stalemate the third term, two goals to one to the Blues, but then the floodgates opened in the last quarter. Strange game. Uh, sides either... Uh, going on a picnic or uh, donuts, it seems. How did you see this one? Oh, I saw it as a danger game, and I would rate this as um, one of Carlton's best wins. You've got an improving team playing at home with a certain amount of confidence, getting players back into that side, and uh, Carlton travelling. I, I, I had danger game written all over it. I think we picked Carlton. They've kicked 12 of their goals in the first and last quarter. Started brilliantly, finished magnificently. Uh, as you said, they they got pushed to three goals at three-quarter time. This, this, this game had everything, not in a standard, but the fact that Carlton got back in, Eagles came out with, at them, and you got the half-time break. So this is the Eagles' real chance. If they come out and have – but Carlton made it a war. And that's the level of maturity of this side from what I saw. I don't know what's going on inside, but to make it a war and take it away – uh, the impetus from a improving West Coast in the second quarter really, I think, set up the last quarter. Uh, the two big fellas up forward, it speaks for themselves. Um, 
gee, they're going to be they're going to be great to watch in September. Getting good supply today too. Obviously, the uh, rebuilt Carlton midfield has been critical this year as well, and uh, some key contributors today: George Hewitt, twenty six disposals, eight clearances. Adam Chera, a triumphant return to Optus Stadium. He had 28 disposals, nine inside 50s. And uh, skipper Paddy Cripps, well, he got nailed with the ball at a a key moment in the uh, second quarter, but had the last laugh. Uh, He had 10 of his 24 disposals in the last quarter, 10 clearances for the day as Carlton won the clearance count 47 to 31. Shannon Hearn, good for the Eagles, 28 uh, disposals, 12 rebounds. Andrew Gaff, 30 disposals, six clearances. But uh, yeah, like I said, uh, uh, either a picnic or donuts, it seems, for the Eagles today. Mate, um, you touched on it, but inside 50s were a dominant 70 34. Centre bounce clearances to Carlton were 19 to 8. And the marks inside 50, given the dominance of Kurnow and Mackay, were, were not a surprising 18-6. As I said, the stats, the numbers, the, the way the game um, ebbed and flowed at certain times and the absolute ability to finish a game interstate, this was, a, this was an A-plus performance for me, despite the latter position of the Eagles because they have developed something over the last month. They've improved, they've knocked off sides and they've pushed sides. Um, I I was really worried about this for Carlton and they've turned up and done a professional job and really cemented themselves in the... um, They're pretty close to the top four, I would imagine now, Ron. Sorry, folks, I haven't got the ladder with me. Sorry, Ron. They are just uh, don't apologise at all. They are. Oh, I very, didn't. I shouldn't say something without evidence. I they mean, are. So. They are very. Yeah. Well, so shouldn't a lot of people. Um, they are yep. very close to the top four. They are outside the top four on percentage only. Fair bit of percentage, mind you. They are eight percent behind Brisbane, but both Brisbane and Carlton, and indeed Collingwood, all on eleven wins and five losses, a game behind. The top three, which is in order, Geelong, Melbourne and Fremantle. While you've got that in front of you and just before we uh, say good evening, um, who who are you – give me your top two or three most vulnerable inside the eight. If someone outside is going to get in, Ryan, who's who's only just going, you feel? Oh, jeez. Um, well, St Kilda are air out, so don't count them. Well, Brisbane? Yeah, but, I mean, the fact is St Kilda is equal on points with the Richmond who are eighth, and uh, Richmond have got injuries now. Well, I, I was hoping you'd say Richmond because they've yeah. got injuries. Yeah, well, they oh, are. Vulnerable. Word. I think they are vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, unfortunately, you know, the Dogs and St Kilda may not be able to mount the sort of challenge to push some of these sides out because their form is is iffy. This is true, which means that Gold Coast and Port Adelaide, both of whom are a game outside, yep. are uh, are still some sort of chance. There you go. Great summation. Uh, all right. All uh, right. Now, these uh, – now, hang on. Don't get ahead of yourself. Uh, next week, just quickly before we wrap it up, <laughs> your eyes in a hurry to go. Um, West Coast, they have a road trip to the MCG to take on Hawthorne, 1.10pm Sunday afternoon, Carlton, uh, massive 
uh, Saturday night clash against the Cats at the MCG, 7.25pm. Oh, wow. That will be an absolute corker of a contest. And uh, we will preview it thoroughly, of course, in our midweek show, which is when we will next talk to you. Uh, we, of course, are always brought to you proudly by Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. You can support us at the ACAST supporter page, and there's a link there in the description wherever you're listening to this podcast, or you can become an official Footyology patron at one of the many links at the Footyology website, footyology.com.au, and uh, fresh up there as we speak. Well, no, when you listen to this, but it'll still be fresh, is uh, Shane Hope's wrap of everything that happened in round 17 and a pretty eventful few days of footy it has been thanks for your company thank you robert and thanks ron we'll speak to you during the week as we preview round 18 see you then